seven points that uh, that reflected because of what you said about buses. Yes. Matatus. Yes, Matatus. So we're in Saska Saskatoon, my first time in Saskatoon, and we're going to speak to Ron. He's going to tell us his story from Kenya, <laughs> and it's the 12th of August, 2009. And Ron. But the point you made about buses, it really does, well, you get a lot of the local flavor, <laughs> including things like, uh, you know, lice. <laughs> it's, matatus are, are, are not buses as such, they're minivans, but they'll try to carry as much as a bus in them. <laughs> so they'll put a lot of people in them, and you have to be part contortionist and so really what year did you go? 2001. 2001, and when did you come back? 2003. And so it was... And you came uh, from Saskatoon. What's your expertise? Carpentry. Wonderful, okay. Carpentry. I was teaching, teaching carpentry and furniture making and uh, uh, managing a production shop mm -hmm. for, the, for the college. Hmm, you should have been with her in northern Ghana. You can come again. <laughs> I can see her light in her eyes. My ears got hurt. So tell us what you um, did in... It was... Did you go on your it, own? It was on my own. Did you go with family or...? No, I was by myself. Okay. There was a large group of us went together from here, but there was 12 in all at the time I went, but... Oh. No, I was well, by myself. It was... I don't know who learned, who learned more, the Kenyans or me, but... It was, uh, I think the biggest part of it was just, uh, I don't know if it's Mombasa itself, I don't think it's all of Kenya, but the coastal attitude is really laid back, you know, it'll happen. And you, you, you really can't push that. <laughs> they, they just, that's the way they are, that's the way they'll be. And it was frustrating for the first little while until I just had to sit back and say, uh, this is just not going to change, you know. What uh, were you building? Just custom furniture, or, you know, people were ordering furniture, and oh. uh, we did a lot of, we did a lot of uh, uh, this type of stuff, but with, with, with wood. Okay. So, utility I furniture. with the metal shop as well, oh. and, uh, the funny thing was they, they have this way of doing things there that, like the metal shop, they weld one chair at a time. They mm -hmm. bend it, they weld it, they, so they got one chair. If they've got an order for like a hundred chairs, <laughs> it could take forever. And I just showed them a couple of ways to do simple jigs for making all the chairs the same and bending, you know, bending all the metal the same. So all of a sudden, stairs that, chairs that they were putting together one at a time and had no set pattern for, all of a sudden, they were getting them all the same, and they'd stack like they were supposed to. And, oh. You know, um, it was you know simple things like that. That. that uh, who was the partner in the field, Ron? In the. Uh, I mean, who? What? What? Uh, what group? Uh, uh, what NGO was working in the field when you went with VSO? Um, was there a, a school that you were partnering with? Where was this? Oh, in Mombasa. Yeah. It was MTTI. MTTI. Mombasa Technical Training Institute. Okay. So, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot of custom orders, like for f furniture for P 
people to order for their houses. The, the funniest part of it was the biggest thing we started producing there was picnic tables, wooden picnic tables. Like Canadian uh, stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, you exported the... <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they, we built three of them for the, for the uh, outside area at the restaurant, uh -huh. at the school. And uh, somebody from some big girls' school saw them and decided that they'd make great, great dining room tables and ordered 60 of them. And, and it just started, like, uh, other schools would spot them. And there was times, the like, a third of the shop was stacked up with just table legs for picnic tables. Cause wow, was, what wood were you using? Uh, mostly... Pine? Uh, Camphor and cypress. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. There's not much else available at the, at, like, from the suppliers, and, and and most of it's, a lot of it's brought into Kenya now. There's with the wood bands, so, but it was mostly cypress. It looks a lot like that tabletop look, or knotty pine. Okay. And camphor, it's a kind of a funny wood. It looks very much like mahogany after it's aged, but when it's first varnished, it's really really light gold like gold oak and oh. it just once it's varnished it just starts to darken as, as time goes by and gets bright red I'm just thinking of a project <laughs> <laughs> you know what you, I've got you in the front and her in the background and I'm just hearing this and we needed furniture for this shelter <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it was a the, the areas that you would think they needed help in it wasn't always the way it was. Uh, uh, the, there was a, somebody there, a, an English fellow there before me, and there was a six-month gap in between. And uh, I had communicated with him over the internet, and as far as he was concerned, they had you know adequate equipment in the shop, and and it was all great equipment. And well, he was gone for six months, and most of it was, most of it was broken when I got there. <laughs> But it, when I first walked into the shop, I thought some of it looked like it should have hieroglyphics on it. You know, it looked that old. It was wow. really old. But as it turned out, a lot of it was good quality German equipment. It was older, but it was very good quality. And it was, we got most of it fixed and running again. And, but Kenyans are notorious for breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> It just breaks. <laughs> yeah. And Mombasa, it um, with the salt, uh, so much uh, humidity and salt water. I think that that that, if, that that affected things, stationary things in the shop. It didn't it didn't affect them all that much. They didn't get that rusty. But wasn't Mombasa one of the most interesting, beautiful places? It was. Very it was. multicultural. It is. Yeah. The Muslims and the. Well, at the time, the Muslims were 50% interesting and 50% a hazard, <laughs> you know. At that time, because it, it was We got into Kenya, like, uh, seven, exactly seven days before all that 9-11. Oh, my gosh. Again. So it must have been a real challenge then. But it was an interesting time to be there. Uh, we were there for the first election, you know, so. Yes. Uh, and did you feel that uh, VSO... Uh, your accommodation was okay? Was it challenging? My accommodations were uh, excellent compared to, like some, some of the accommodations <laughs> that the people that went over the same time as me were, were 
Not shabby by comparison, but but the, the the school I was at had a partnership with BSO and agreed to supply accommodations. Okay. And uh, as it happened, the principal at the school managed an apartment complex and had pretty nice apartments. <laughs> so so it was he was winning on both ends because BSO was paying the rent. So as you walk away from an experience like that, you said you learnt a lot more. What did you learn? Um, just a lot of diverse things. Uh, you, had to, you had to be on your toes and use your imagination. Uh, the boys in the class wouldn't, you couldn't sit them down for, like, a, like to teach them math. They just, they didn't want to do that. But they had no math skills to speak of. So I came up with some, you know, the, the four square grid they do in the Mombasa paper with the, mass, the mathematics puzzles? Yes, yes. Yeah. I started getting the boys to do those. Oh, actually, <laughs> something fun. Yeah. And some of them got really good at it, and it really improved their math skills. But the challenge was I'd have to do them first, because quite often they get them wrong in the paper. <laughs> so I'd have to do them first, make sure there was no mistakes, and then I'd put them on the board. And if I found uh, the paper had a more difficult one on the weekend, and so I'd give them that on a Friday night, and it, most of them really caught on well, and and and, and uh, their math skills just took a leap. Wow! You know? But. So you had to use your one of the ways. interesting experiences was I had one puzzle that it took me on one of the difficult ones took me almost all day on a Sunday to to solve it, and I'm thinking I'm never going to get it solved. I finally did, and I thought no, I shouldn't even give it to them. <laughs> it's just too difficult. But I thought well, I'll put it up on Friday night, and I'll, on Friday afternoon, put it on the board, and they can work on it if they want, you know. But I told them I said the one that the first one that brings me the right answer to this puzzle. At the end of the month, when everything all the dust clears and I get and I get paid, I'm taking that person out for lunch one afternoon, you know. Mm -hmm. And this the kid <laughs> Monday morning I get to the school at quarter after seven, seven thirty, something like that. One of the boys is sitting on the step waiting for me. <laughs> and he's got the right answer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, fine, he's going for lunch. This this he was a street street kid. And, and had never been like able to sit down in a restaurant ever. Mm. And he was like, God, he couldn't couldn't talk. He was like, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> just and uh, that's huge. Gave him but I asked him. I said, How long did it take you to solve it? He said, Oh, I didn't get any sleep that night. <laughs> so persistent. He, he stayed up all night to, to solve it. It was so. Um, a lot of them had that kind of ambition on a day-to-day -day basis. It was, and you often and don't see that here. I don't. I don't know if I could do the same thing here. I don't know if I could <laughs> teach a class here, like I did there, because kids here, I, I don't know, all of them aren't there to learn. These these boys, that's what they're there for. To, to learn. learn. Well, I think that uh, you're. Now, how did they respond to you being such a big guy? You must have been real safe and. <laughs> I don't know, in different ways. It was, most of them pretty good. I had one boy in the class that was bigger than me, so. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was no big deal. But, uh, um, I don't know, I, I strike it off well with teenagers and, and even young kids. I, when we had the homestay at the first part of the, 
there was a girl about that high <laughs> that followed me absolutely everywhere that, well, for the week that I was there. And this is where the Rafiki Kuba came from. Oh, <laughs> that was what she called Yes, it. he called himself Rafiki Kuba. Big, uh, big, big friend. friend. Big friend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and that's, that's, it was her that called me Rafiki Kubo all uh, the time. Because so she could remember, remember my name mostly. But, <laughs> uh, and that's how she introduced me to everybody. It was, and it was, it got quite funny at times, but it was, uh, mm -hmm. um, Wow. Would you go back was, again? I'd like to. Uh, I've considered it several times, but at the moment, like, my mother's 80 and not in great shape, so it's, it was hard on her me being away the two years before, so I don't know if I could do it right now. Well, I can't thank you enough for your service, <laughs> Rafiki Kuba. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Oh.